Chloe Cole, really appreciate your time uh, and being part of Forum on the Family in New Zealand, although maybe one year we'll get you down to New Zealand. Yeah. Chloe, just, just in a kind of Reader's Digest uh, version, tell us your story. So, I'm 18 years, years old right now, but I used to be transgender and I transitioned medically uh, between the ages of 13 and 16. Um, I started socially transitioning, changing my name and my presentation at the age of 12. And wow. yeah, I was diagnosed with gender dysphoria shortly after I turned 13. And just about half a year after that, I was put on puberty blockers and then testosterone. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I don't know what the equivalent in New Zealand would be, but uh, I was 15 years old okay, and okay. I yeah, I yeah. underwent a double mastectomy. Yeah, a double mastectomy? Yeah. And how quick did it take for them to figure out that you had gender dysphoria? Um. I can't remember the exact diagnosis process because uh, it was just so long ago. Mm. But um, Did they ask it wasn't any? very thorough. Right. It wasn't thorough enough, clearly. I mean, I had a lot of uh, underlying conditions and traumas and distress that just wasn't addressed mm. in their diagnosis or in their treatment. I don't necessarily think that the, the diagnosis was incorrect, mm. but it was a course of treatment that was wrong. Were your parents ever told uh, they had to go along with what you were saying because it's better to have a live son than a dead daughter. Oh yeah, that's the exact ultimatum they gave them. I mean, they initially pushed back on it. Like they they tried to adjust to me changing my name and they're okay with me changing the way I dressed, mm. but they didn't want me to be making any permanent decisions until I was legally an adult, which mm. in the US is 18, mm. but could have been much, much later. They were guilt tripped into it by my doctors pretty much. They were told like, well, they weren't given any other option. They weren't told that, they weren't told about the high desistance rates in children with gender dysphoria. None of us really were given the full picture of things, even in our consent forms, a list of, uh, of all the potential side effects from the treatments. Well, even when you had your mastectomy, were you told the true consequences of that? I was told that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed, but I was 15. A 15-year-old is not thinking about that. And on top of that, I was in the mindset of, like, I'm a guy. I'm trying to become a male, and men don't breastfeed. Did you ever think you got to the status of being male in your mind? Um, well, I genuinely believed that I was just like any other boy my age. But the illusion started to break. I started realizing, like, I wasn't really cut out for the role. And I felt more lonely. I felt trapped and I felt like I I wasn't as close to like my friends or family and I didn't really have a lot of room to talk about things like personal things going on in my life or like my feelings and so um, you know professionals they argue that um, that it can be a number of causes that uh, brings a person to want to change their sex. It can mm. be uh, trauma, it can be social contagion and amongst their peer group, and it can be social media, which is pushing it. Which of those three influenced you? Yeah, I had some traumas and uh, distress. And I, I also, um, I didn't, at the beginning of my transition, I didn't know anybody who was transgender either. I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't friends with anybody who was trans, either online or from school. It was all social media for me. And the constant message from social media is what? Well, it wasn't like outright messaging. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. But I saw like a lot of uh, 
It was mostly just like the community and how it looks outwardly. Like it's very, it seems very closely knit. At least it did at the time. And it made transitioning out to be this very, uh, this very cheerful, colorful thing that cures your dysphoria, makes, makes, you, makes you whole, makes you happy. And um, that's really what drew me in, just like the, that, that false sense of community and this weird cheeriness about it. I mean, like all these, all these new words, this, all these people who seem to be discovering themselves and building up a community and, and making friends. I mean, it really appealed to me, especially as like a socially awkward girl who was on the spectrum, who was always a bit of a tomboy and didn't really relate, especially to other girls her age. No. And that kind of seemed to be the demographic of the general demographic in those communities. So you've, uh, I mean, we honor you because you are traveling around the country, you're helping legislation being passed to protect young people from these types of operations and various states um, in the US. Look, can I, I just close with three uh, messages that you might have uh, from your experience? And that is firstly to young boys and girls uh, teenagers who are thinking about going down this road, they want the puberty blockers, they want the cross-sex hormones, they want the mastectomy, all the other surgery. What's your message to them? If you are not yet at an age where you can be, where you can buy alcohol, cigarettes, tobacco products. Mature. Where you can, mm -hmm. you can't yet drive or own a firearm or consent to sex, then I don't think you should be able to make a decision that is, mm. I think, bigger than all those. I mean, it'll transitioning medically and socially will affect every aspect of your life from the way that you socialize, the way that you are perceived and treated by other people, mm. to uh, your, your romantic and sex life, mm. to your ability to conceive kids and your overall health. And nobody under the age of 18 and really I think most people under the age of 25 aren't really able to conceive just how big of an impact mm. transitioning will make it on their life and to, to appreciate any of the damage that it can cause. And I think it's really best to wait, not necessarily until you're 18, mm. but until you're fully, a fully developed adult and you have had some experience in your life so, so, you know, some people say, uh, uh, look, I knew when I was five, six, seven years old that I was the other six. I mean, does that make sense that someone would think that? No, I mean, the idea doesn't make sense. I know a lot of people who have felt that way have had those feelings, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. A feeling of longing is not the same as being. And so we've got a large crowd of delegates watching this uh, as part of our conference. Uh, they uh, are all with you. They think you've made the best decision. They are campaigning because they believe that biologically we're male, female. That's the way we're created. But they also have a sense of care for young people who are caught in this ideology. What, what's your message to us as to how we can fight the ideology without burning the, the young people? Right, the most important thing to do is to speak the truth, no matter what, but it's also important not to make these people feel like they are being ostracized, like they're being made, made fun of, or 
like they're not being understood or listened to. Right. Because we are, but we, we do have a difference mm. in opinions on how, how to handle this. Mm. And um, I mean, for example, should we use preferred pronouns while they go through this process? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of in the middle on that. With a kid, I personally wouldn't do it, but um, mm. I have a few transgender friends and I respect them. I do, I do refer them by their preferred name and pronouns, mm. but um, I just don't think it's right to, to lie to a kid about who they are. Mm. And I don't think that children ever should be allowed to go through this especially the medical process. And just finally, um, what's your message to parents? Their child has come home, has said that they want to change sex, they believe they're transgender, they will believe they were born in the wrong body. What would you say to parents in terms of how to handle that situation, lovingly but in truth? Well, it's important to figure out the source of these feelings and what is making them feel the need to transition their sex. A problem that I noticed with a lot of these kids, I mean, some of the, some of the warning signs are, they'll, they'll start to distance themselves from other people, from their family, from their parents, from their friends, from school, from their responsibilities, and they'll spend more time to, their, to themselves, especially oftentimes on the internet. The people they associate with, it's important to figure out who they, who they associate with because oftentimes this is where they're getting the idea of being able to change their, their sex or their, their identity from. And if it's not from friends from school or from some program, then it's likely from the internet. And it's important to not only figure out where it's coming from, but to address the issue and to, um, to cut out those, uh, those influences from your child's life and to be, just to be involved as possible in their life and to spend time with them and let them know that they are loved and that they are part of a family and to encourage them to, to build up their identity, not through how they present themselves or what they call themselves, but through what they do. Chloe, uh, I think you're very brave, um, but it's so important what you're doing. Um, you're making a huge difference. You're, you're um, really championing, um, fighting this ideology. We just really thank you for your time. And, um, you know, we pray that God will just continue to use you in, in all of this and uh, give you strength and protect you. Um, and one day, one day we'll have you in person on the stage yeah. talking to this crowd. I'd love to. Thanks, Chloe. Thank you so much.